You're listening to Just, stories about the people working to build thriving communities rooted in justice, a part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network in partnership with ReCity and Coastal Credit Union. I'm Jess Averhart, co-founder of Black Wall Street Homecoming. And I'm Rob Shields, executive director of the ReCity Network. All right, look, so here's why we're here. We're here to get proximate. We're here to listen. We're here to process. And we're here to help you process. But here's what we're not going to do. We're not going to be preachy because we don't have all the answers and we will never make you feel like an outsider. Keeping with the theme of sharing, we always want to acknowledge the whole person and that starts with our personal Personal check-in. Let's do it. All right. Jess. Rob. Welcome back. Hey, friend. Long time, no talk. (laughs) It has felt like one long day. I don't think it's... The days all blur together, so I don't know what I can't even remember. We just spoke earlier today, right? That's what it feels like these days, right? It, it certainly does, and it also is a bright spot because at least it's like this consistent continuity strand <laughs> through my life. Is that I'm going to talk to my friend Rob, and we're going to do the right. podcast. So well, it's in a the lifeline. spirit, that's, I love. I, you're you're the same for me, and I think that in the spirit of that continuity, right? We don't have many mile markers right now to. Day and night, right? Uh, week yeah. to week, month to month. You know, yeah. 2020 has just been one long moment. But yeah, I think like we should it. we should honor the, the the traditions to help provide markers when possible. So let's let's before we jump into today's episode, it is is definitely a not a not a light topic for sure, a serious one. I do think yeah. it's valuable to acknowledge each other and 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 just check in on each other and how we're we're doing. So I want to start there. Okay. Tell, tell our listeners just how are you hanging in there? How are you holding up? Yeah, thank you. Um, yes, and to acknowledge what you just said, and I think you're going to talk a little bit about it um, later, but for our listeners, this is a tougher conversation and a, definitely a heavier topic, but I, I also am grateful, like I just said, to be able to have friends like Rob and family and community around where we can we can unpack topics like this and see how we can bond and and be stronger together and support one another in times of high stress. So I have been, I am fine. Uh, Again, still looking in my playbook, my silver linings playbook for ways to move through the day. And um, some, some of you, actually, I don't know that I've shared this yet on our podcast, but I'm writing two books. And so there really is no better time to write some books when you're sitting in your house and you have some downtime. So I've been writing two very different books. One is on crucible moments, which we're certainly in a high pressure time where we are changed forever. It's transformational. And so we all have those in our lives. But I think our country and the world right now is in a crucible. There's no doubt that we're in a crucible moment. And then I'm writing a dating book. So that's been fun to escape the headlines a little bit and think about that and relationships and all that good stuff. So I know that's a little bit weird and off topic, but that's what's happening over here. Mm. So it's the truth. <laughs> it's what we're doing. How about you? That's you. What's that's going you. on with you and the family? Oh, uh, well, it's, I mean, it's funny it's to, to connect to what you're saying of, you know, life still goes on, right? I mean, people, people are still in relationship with each other, right? Yeah. People are still right. dating, which I think in some ways ties to the topic of today People are still living in community and, you know, you're, you're writing a dating book and people are still, still dating right now and figuring out what, yeah. what that looks like. People are still 
uh, married in, in, in relationship with each other. And then what is, I mean, how, how do we navigate that world? So for me, yeah, I think that my life is still continuing on amidst the crisis. My son, Charlie, my five-year-old, uh, lost his first tooth this morning. Um, oh, I love it. Yeah, lost Good sounds job, like... Charlie. And that sounds so <laughs> idyllic when I say it that way. Like, oh, Charlie lost his first tooth. Almost like it just kind of gently fell out into his cereal bowl this morning. But here's what you need to know about my kids. It is a <laughs> mentally anguishing Aww. trial. Like, they are so excited about the tooth fairy, right? They want that dollar or whatever under their pillow. Yeah. My wife writes these sweet little notes for them on, a, on an index card. And so, like, they have this, like, correspondence back and forth with the tooth fairy, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But they are, like, traumatized by it coming out. And they're, like, it hurts. And they want to wait till the very last moment. And so oh. I feel like I am the source of their their angst because I'm, like, all right, I can help you. And like, oh, I do, but no, I don't. Like, and watching... I wish you could see their face uh-huh. when they're looking at me because they want so bad for it to be over, but they definitely don't want daddy to pull it out. <laughs> to pull it, yeah. So this one, Charlie's tooth fell out this morning? or did Oh, no, no, it didn't. It? I say lost. I was. I had to do uh-huh. what I always do. I'm, I'm now, uh-huh. two of our kids are old enough to have be losing teeth now. So the strategy is you're just, you kind of pull the Band-Aid, right? So you're like, oh, all right, th- we're negotiating. You're like, are you going to wiggle it? I'm just going to wiggle it. I'm not going to pull it. And then, you know, <laughs> I, I happen to be wiggling it when it when it comes out, and then when they get over the initial betrayal that I that I kind of pseudo white lied, they're yeah. so excited because I'm holding the tooth, and they're going to be able to cash that in. So yeah, it's working. that's right, baby. That's good. I love it. I love it. It's it's a little bit of uh, psychology, and that's exactly what you should be doing as a father. It's a little bit of psychology there. To, yeah, they don't know what's good for them, so you just help them out, and then you know the rewards on the other side. And I know, I know our listeners can relate to at least some aspect of what you and I both just shared, right? Because they're looking at their new normal and they're, I know our worlds are all turned upside down right now. And yet life is still happening, right? Like two of my, my sister-in-law, yeah, are, are going to still be having babies in the next couple months, right? I mean, like these, these are, these are mile markers in life, these milestones. I mean, you're, Trey is gra- you know, graduating, right? Going, going to college, like they're, there's no stopping that train. And so we have to, it's weird to juxtapose normal life against the backdrop of what is now not normal life for the mm-hmm. foreseeable future. We still don't really know how long we're going to be in this space. But I think that I, as a way to, to pivot to mm-hmm. the topic at hand today, you know, again, well, like, just like you said, Jess, you know, we, we want to start light uh, every time because we know that you kind of have to, you can't stay in a space where you're just lifting heavy loads 24-7 or else that, that's just not sustainable. So we always intentionally start to really try to break the ice. But uh, for this one, this is a this is a heavy topic. And, and just to put that disclaimer out there again, you know, in case you were kind of pseudo-listening before, uh, you know, we're, we're going to be tackling really tough issues uh, that are really have only been exacerbated in more difficult ways during this crisis and, and this, this yeah. self, you know, this quarantine right now, which is issues around you know, it could be triggering. You know, we're going to use words like domestic violence, sexual assault. These are heavy terms that we are going to treat with the proper care as best we can. And so just as you listen in, just know that you need to press pause, do that. If, if you need to, if now is not the time to be listening to this particular episode, pause and come back to it. Don't yeah. shy away from this forever, because especially if you're somebody that doesn't is new to this issue, I think we would encourage you to learn so that you can build empathy because we can't just push away the hard things in life at the same time, right? So I kind of get depends on who's listening and it's not all one type of person, but you know, the quote watchman wounds need air. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And, and I think that that is, that is very true of this particular subject. So I'm, I'm going to invite in Monica Day. Monica, are you, uh, are you with us? Are, are you you're patching in with us? Can you hear us? I can. Hey, hey welcome. Welcome, Monica. We're so glad that you could join us for, for this call. You're the perfect person to help start this really important conversation because of the nature of your work, which I want you to get into here in a minute. But I just want to frame out a little bit for you so that you could take this and enlighten us about the work that you do. But, uh, you know, today we're seeing these reports come out now. And again, this was an issue that we had planned to talk about already for this episode. We didn't think, just like with some of these other ones that we're going to be talking about in the coming weeks, this wasn't an issue that we put on the agenda for the Just Podcast because of the coronavirus, because this mm-hmm. issue wasn't invented or wasn't a problem a month ago only. This goes back a long time. And, and Monica, who you'll hear, has been laboring in this space for now 15 years mm-hmm. doing the, the good work, uh, the difficult work uh, around addressing these issues. But I'm just going to reference a CNN article that I think really helps to frame this really well. Mm-hmm. And the title of it was Domestic Violence Victims Stuck at Home are at risk during coronavirus pandemic. And just a couple of quotes from here that I think to set you up, Monica, this was really sobering to read, the fact that domestic violence cases typically spike in times of prolonged stress and disruption, like financial crises or natural disasters. And I'm like, I'm reading that in the light of what we're the reality of our world right now. And I'm like, okay, yeah, stress, disruption, financial crisis, health crisis, right? And that communities, this, this article goes on to say that communities that are under stay-at-home orders, which are now half the world, I don't mm-hmm. think it was half the world at the time of this article, but it's half the world at the time of this recording, are already reporting higher call volumes to local domestic violence resources. And, and it also reports that once the stay-at-home orders are lifted, we're expecting victims to flood hotlines. And we may not know how many victims there are until this pandemic is actually over. That is... Yeah. That is really heavy stuff. And again, pause where you need to, but I think we're going to now shift into inviting you into this conversation, Monica, with us. Monica Day, for those of you who don't know, Executive Director of Stand Up Speak Out, longtime ReCity partner. I have watched Monica up close in the work that she does. I could not speak more highly or have a greater amount of respect for her resilience in the work that she does, her integrity, her long suffering in just doing the hard work of just being an executive director of a nonprofit is hard in and of itself, but especially the work that she does is so, I, I don't know what it's like, but just by observing her, I can't imagine how exhausting it may be. But I say resilient because you refuse to quit, Monica, and you're, you're an inspiration to me because in many ways a mentor because you've been doing this work for far longer in the nonprofit space than I have tackling really, really difficult, meaningful things on behalf of the clients who you care so deeply about. So I just want to say first and foremost, thank you for being here. It's an honor to spend this time with you. Thank you. Yeah. And so I just want to say thank you and I appreciate you. Yes. Thank you. Well, um, Monica, I'm going to jump in here just because I want to, I, I don't know you as well, and I want to know you as well. <laughs> that was such a lovely, <laughs> such a lovely um, introduction, Rob. Clearly, we're on the phone with a community hero and mm-hmm. somebody who is very close to issues that are, frankly, really hard for many people to get close to if, if they're not experiencing it, because it is an emotional it's stressful. It's all those things. And so that you get up in the morning and do this fight, this fight every day and do this work every day. Thank you. And I'm really looking forward to this time with you in this interview. So 
just before Rob jumps back and kind of unpacks more carefully the work that you're doing in our community, we love to, this is kind of my jam here. I like to, before we, before we get going, I like to check in with everyone and Mm -hmm. um, Rob and I do it at the beginning of our episode. So just for you, how are you feeling? You've been doing this work for 15 years, but you're also doing the work amidst the pandemic yourself. So how are you feeling? How's it been at the house? Family? Is everybody good? Just checking in. Everybody is good. Thank you so much. I am looking forward to this conversation with you all. I'm good. I am continuing to look, trying to look through a positive lens. Uh, My family is good. I have uh, three kids and one 21 who's not here in the home. Um, But then I have an eight-year-old and a three-year-old boy. So very, very busy. So it's been about you know, creating structure and homeschooling while at the same time our work has increased. And so uh, just trying to find that balance every day. So that looks like, you know, jumping on a Zoom call and, you know, making sure that homework or the schoolwork is getting done, making lunch and all of that, and then still trying to stay the course. So a lot of the skills that I teach and my team teaches to uh, the folks that we serve, we're, we're utilizing that as well, you know, pacing yourself, balancing, mm-hmm. using coping skills, practicing self-care uh, yeah. is, is very much critical in this time, um, the way we're working now um, in the home. Mm-hmm. Good. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Monica. Absolutely. It sounds like you and Jess are going to have a, another call swapping advice stories of how to raise uh, late teenagers, early 20 <laughs> children as they emerge into adulthood. That's a when y'all y'all need that's a third book, Jess, you need to write yeah, and co write with Monica and I need hey, to read let it. Me know. I need to read it. I'm like hers are her boys are, are running around. She said she's trying to keep them under under wraps and I'm over here trying to wake mine up. So girls, just give it a couple more years yeah, I wish they would sleep stuff. a little longer. They don't sleep long <laughs> enough for me. I mean at the crack of dawn, they're already I know. up and I'm like ah. Yeah, those are those are two different sleep schedules right there. An eight year old and a twenty something year old and not to mention, I don't even know what 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 does family movie night look like when you guys right? That, I mean, that's, yeah, that's a, I, those are those are other questions. I'll talk. I'll ask Monica offline. But, um, Monica, before you talk about how the COVID crisis has impacted your work and your and, and the lives of your clients, just back up and talk briefly about just your work in general for people that may not be aware of what Stand Up Speak Out is all about. Why, why Stand Up Speak Out? Why does Stand Up Speak Out so important? Why does it need to exist? So we exist to provide support, advocacy, and services for child witnesses and victims of domestic violence and sexual abuse. We also provide services, of course, for the family. So we believe in utilizing a family model system where we are not only working with the child, but we also have to work with the family as a whole. And so then to speak out what makes us, I like to say, unique and different is that we utilize art and different forms of art therapy components to help those who have experienced trauma process what they have experienced, work through that hard reality of what they have experienced and what they can't always articulate in a counseling session. So through using art, poetry, dance, music, different forms of creativity allows them an opportunity to release 
and even think about processing what that experience looks like. So when you can't necessarily tell a counselor, well, this is how I feel, or this is how this made me feel through art and through color, through painting, through music, through even rap, songs, poetry, you can make it, you know, you can, you can share that experience through utilizing metaphor, simile, or different colors of paint to allow you to be able to explain it when you can't always put it in the words. And so... For the young people that we work with, we like to use art as an element to help those ultimately find their healing, begin their healing journey. We pretty much primarily work in Durham and Wake County, but we do have support groups throughout different counties in North Carolina. We provide what is called Girls Speak Out, which is for our young girls ages 10 to 17. And then we have what is for the adults women called the brief like sister circles and those are throughout North Carolina. Um, we also offer individualized one-to-one direct services, which is therapeutic coaching, and we provide that to individuals who may just need more individualized attention. Mm-hmm. And that typically is when group setting is not the best for that individual, then we work with them one-to-one with personalized goals that are centered around what they have experienced and the aftermath of what they've experienced. So oftentimes, if a person has experienced you know, trauma, sexual abuse, or domestic violence, there is phases of what they have gone through, and it looks different for everyone. So you may have a child that's dealing with anxiety, dealing with sleeping patterns at night, PTSD, depression, the list can go on and on, and it looks different for each individual. And so we work towards working with these young people on a one-to-one basis, providing hope, resiliency, and ultimately healing. And so once they're stabilized and in a place where one-to-one services, we've been working with them typically, you know, three to four months, they're feeling better and in a better place to work in a group setting, then we will transition them to our group, uh, which is Girl Speak Out. And in group settings, the reason we do that is because when you have experienced different forms of trauma, it feels better and it's also a way of healing and connecting when you fit in a space with other people who also can identify with what you're experiencing. Mm-hmm. And so that's a short kind of version um, of yeah. the work that we do here at Stand Up Speak Out. And, well, and since, <laughs> you know, it, it looks a little different now, Rob. Um, yeah. And just, yeah. It, it looks different with what we're doing now. And it has become... We, we've had to get creative a little bit um, in how we do our work now, but it has worked. We have successfully transitioned to remote services, so now we're offering those same group sessions virtually as well as we're offering those same group sessions, our one-to-one services virtually as well. Well, I'd love for you to speak more to that too, Monica. Like when we were saying earlier, those those quotes from that CNN article about communities across the country are seeing a higher volume of referrals. Are you seeing that happening with your work as well? And if so, like just talk us through what you're witnessing, the problem that you're up against now being exacerbated by this crisis. Is Is that something you're seeing on the ground with your work? Yeah, so even Stand Up Speak Out, you know, we've been around for 16 years. I still consider us a very small organization compared to our partners like DCRC, Interact of Wake County. But even those partners, I have even talked to some of the leaders, and they're seeing an increase, you know. Well, for us, on a small scale, we're also seeing an increase. Just uh, we transitioned our service virtually on March 11th, moved and was ready to go with our virtual group around that second week, March 16th. 
Well, in that time frame that we transition our services, we've already received six referrals. And we typically, for us, we might get referrals in the month. We might get, you know, maybe one or two in a month from some of our partners. Well, in just that one week, we received four, and then the other three came in within a few days. We're not a, again, big organization like some of the others, so, like, they may receive referrals from multiple people. But just in that this small time frame, yes, it has increased. We already have a caseload that we're working with of individuals one-to-one, and then we have these particular intakes that have come in. So even an organization that is, you know, small organization like Santa Seek Out, we're seeing that increase as well, and we're seeing the need for more folks that are in need of support, not just individuals who may be experiencing domestic violence uh, right now, but individuals who have experienced domestic violence in their life and being isolated is causing triggers. Wow. Yeah. Thank, mm. First of all, that's a, you do a lot, Monica. That was mm. a, that was what the list just was incredibly complex and full and comprehensive. And so thank you for the work that you're doing with our families. I was sharing with Rob the other day, the CNN article that, you know, half the world is on stay at home. And so Mm -hmm. this isn't just a United States concern. This is a global concern. And Mm -hmm. they're really putting fail safes in place across the world around how do you make sure that those who are susceptible to abuse have some way out, something that they can say or do, right? And so they were saying on CNN that in Europe that they have instituted these code words to go to pharmacies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I saw that on Marco too. Did, mm-hmm. did you see that? I'm just wondering, yep. just wondering if this has been a topic of discussion in your field for others, you know, like you mentioned, the, your other partners. Is there something that's happening around that now here in the U.S. for our community to be thinking about? Or do you think there'll be something down the road that'll be similar to that? I definitely think it's a conversation within our organization because we are offering these services virtually. And so we're Mm -hmm. trying to figure out a way that if there is a child who is in a home where there is abuse, they're witnessing abuse, how do we how do we figure out how to navigate that to know that something is happening? So we're already having those conversations. There is conversations across different leaders, you know, here locally as well about what do we do, especially because we, even if we're offering it virtually, we're not right there with them. How do we stop or try to get that person help? So those conversations are coming and then trying to figure out, because even if you're on a chat, you know, there has to be a way or some form of code that you can say that this is happening. Because if the abuser sees that, then we might just be a moment too late to be able to get to that person. So definitely, uh, that's that's a conversation that's happening. Okay. Well, keep us posted, Monica, because I find the way to be able to pull levers around keeping our community safe really interesting And in times like this. I mean, we have to make it up as we go. And mm-hmm. to think that in Europe, they have a code word that can be activated at local pharmacies. That's how they're mm-hmm. doing it, that a woman can mm-hmm. walk into a pharmacy, say this code word, and the pharmacist knows, okay, there's abuse at the home. Like, right. I'm, I would imagine that when the next week or so, there's going to be something similar to that here in the U.S. And We'll want to make sure that our listeners can go to our podcast notes and mm-hmm. uh, can see it. So if you can share anything like that, we would want to keep it keep it in the forefront. And for our listeners, 
Google it. Stay on top of this information because it's relevant and it's in real time. And so we need to make sure that we're protecting one another and having the resources that we need. Now, with all of that said, (laughs) Monica, so let me get back to what you do here. You know, I always, I'm always fascinated too by, you know, what is it that keeps people going? Like we're in some weird times and it's really easy to just kind of pretend like it's not happening. And I think many of us are just, you know, sitting back, kicking back in our homes who have the luxury to stay at home and Mm -hmm. doing whatever. But like, you're not doing that. And Rob set that up so well. You are like a warrior out there, girl, just doing it, figuring out how to make a virtual, you know, making sure your your people have everything that they need and have access. So Mm -hmm. why? Like, why are you doing that? What fuels you in the morning? Like, why are you more determined now than ever? My fuel comes from being a survivor of both domestic violence and sexual abuse, all that happened before I was 15 years old. Mm-hmm. So that is what fuels me. I'm always reminded of the little girl who didn't have a stand-up speak-out. Mm-hmm. And I'm reminded mm-hmm. of the the girls that I have that I've heard their, their testimonials. I've heard their testimonies of why girls speak out is important to them, even recently with them being virtual and how this has helped them to bond and it has given them an outlet. Hearing from parents who are appreciative of the services that we're providing, that we're providing before COVID-19 and how Mm -hmm. it's helped their child and how they see the change in the behaviors in their children. And that is what keeps me going. And in a time like this where the uncertainty of how long we'll be isolated, I feel like I, we have to do something. If, if all we can do is make sure that that child can get on with us or that parent that has experienced abuse or maybe experienced abuse have a sister circle that they can get on virtually. And perhaps mm-hmm. if something is going on, Somehow we may know they will say it in code word or whatever, and we will be able to hopefully prevent another life gone as a result of domestic violence. Just to kind of bring this all together so you guys know, every year we do a, you know, candlelight visual to honor those who and remember those who've lost their life to domestic violence. It's April the 3rd. Already Mm. this year, it's been 20 homicides of domestic violence. Mm. This year. Last year, it was 56. I feel like I have to keep pushing. We got to do something. And not just myself, but just leaders across is doing this work. Because that number, if this is where we're at in April, what will this look like, you mm. know, in June? What will this look like in July? And the, one of those intakes that I received just in this last week is four kids. And all four of them have lost their, their mother to abuse. Mm. they've been witnessing this abuse all of their life. You know, can you imagine that? You know, and so this this work is so important and more important to put this in the forefront of people's minds that are not even thinking about domestic violence. We're thinking about, you know, uh, which is very important too, the healthcare workers, the vulnerable population. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think people are missing that a part of that vulnerable population is the child witnesses of abuse. The vulnerable population is the victims of domestic violence. And so it's important for us to stay putting this information in the forefront of people's minds and then also trying to be a support in some way for these individuals that need that help. Mm. Bless you. Bless you. Yes. Well, you talk about being... You talk about being the support, Monica, of which you, you so clearly are and have been 
for over a decade, almost going on two decades now, and your your work is now needed more than ever in this season. You know, I don't think we mentioned it earlier, but this article we referenced earlier from CNN talks about the tie with, with unemployment to domestic violence uh, and how that we're experiencing record unemployment. At the time of this article, it said 3 million, and now mm-hmm. now it's over 6 million filed for unemployment, where the previous record was 600,000. And that was in the Great Depression. And so, like, when you're talking about your referrals, we're only on the front end of this mm-hmm. pandemic. What can we do? And, and Jess and I are asking that personally, of course, but also asking on behalf of everyone listening right now to say, we know that what you are doing right now, you couldn't do this work alone before COVID. You need people to, to champion what you're doing because you're not a one-woman show, although you are incredibly gifted and do a lot on your own. You should not and cannot do this on your own. How can we rally around you as you are rallying around these kids and these families right now? Well, we we definitely need the support, you know, from the community. One, being able to put the information out there so people understand the seriousness of this vulnerable population, um, becoming a sustainer, understand mm-hmm. to speak out, you know, making mm-hmm. a contribution to our organization if you can. I know it's hard times for a lot of people, but if you can make a donation and become a sustainer, becoming a monthly sustainer for us would be very beneficial. You know, if you can only make a one-time gift, making that one-time gift can be also beneficial to help us to sustain the programs that we have. We are doing multiple sessions throughout our week and individual sessions, and my staff has already increased their time and their hours. Most of my staff work on a part-time basis, so they've already began to increase and even give, you know, their in-kind hours to kind of help in any capacity that they can to keep, you know, our groups going. So any way the individuals can support us in these hard times, it would definitely make uh, a difference in helping us to sustain and be able to continue to push through uh, this pandemic. What we don't want is we don't want to have to turn someone away and say, oh, well, we can't help this individual. That's what we That's don't right. want. And That's so right. however a person can help, if it's $25 is all you can make a commitment to, then making that $25 because every bit counts. So good. Thank you. That's so That's good. true. That's Thank you. really clear. Yep. So you can go to our website. It's www.susonc.org. Right on our front page. Look around on the website if you get a chance to go. But also right on the front page is our donate page, and you can click there. But I would encourage you to look around. Also join our email list because we have a lot of information that goes out on our email list, stories of overcoming, stories of healing, stories of hope. So if you have a chance to check out our website, please do. Again, it's www.susonc.org. Excellent. Thank you. Monica, That's great. Thank you. Thank you. We're we're in this with you, and I'm, I would encourage everyone that's listening now to go on that website again. It's susonc.org. And just like Jeff said earlier, like she's doing a personal audit, and it's inspiring me to do the same thing of, what can we give up right now? Like do, do, do a quick count of your coffee budget. Right. And like, maybe, maybe you don't need to make that, that next run to Starbucks. Right. Maybe that mm-hmm. $5 a month can become, and, and what would that do to directly impact and change a life for the referrals that Monica can't serve unless she has the support behind her. And we never want to turn anyone away. And so we our, our listeners could be a part of that uh, and rallying around you. And I, I really hope that people listening will consider doing just that. So go check out her website, go learn about, her work, uh, and then join it and get, get involved because the time is now and, yeah. and we all have a part to play 
even if we can't get physically proximate to her work, which right now would not would not be possible, would not be even appropriate without mm-hmm. COVID, we can lean in and support her and extend her impact uh, in the lives of the people she's touching. So, Monica, thank you. It, it has been a privilege to have this conversation with you. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, Rob. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jess, for this opportunity. Um, just thank you all. You thank me a lot, but I want to thank you because you are a part of helping to get the word out and helping to put this in the minds of individuals that might not always think about this hard topic that sometimes we don't want to discuss. So I appreciate you all for just supporting us and getting the message out to the people. Mm. Well, mm. we're in this together. Thank you, Monica. Absolutely. Thank you. Take okay. care. All right. Well, wow, she was fantastic. Monica is a real Monica's hero. my hero. Yeah. Yeah, I get is. it. I really get she it. Is. I look forward to meeting her in real life one day. When we remember going back a couple episodes when Cecilia said, Shut up and listen to a black woman. Oh yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, she it it's honestly like y'all are y'all are on that list, that hand. When I hold up my hand of like who would I do that with, I'm like, All right, I'm yeah. gonna go I'm gonna go shut up, I'm gonna listen to Jess. I'm going to go shut up listen to Monica, right? I mean, like that, I just need to go and just absorb because there's so much wisdom there. And, and I think that that conversation hopefully sheds light on that for our listeners who may not be as familiar with her work. Yeah, that was really, really good. I wasn't fully uh, aware of all of the things that she was doing. And, and I'm fairly close to the problem from some of the work. And we're going to introduce our next guest here in a second, but just through prevention of abuse and neglect. And so to see that she is doing sort of that front line with our young people, that's really hard to do. It's very emotionally taxing and I'm sure highly rewarding, but it is the work that a lot of people just don't want to get near because it's it's too hard, right? But mm-hmm. it's not nearly as hard as what those who are going through it are experiencing, right? So she's mm-hmm. really a, she's a, I'm a big fan of hers right now. It's awesome. I'm actually really um, excited about our next guest because she has, will provide us some really nice insight on a statewide level. You know, we're here in North Carolina. And so she has her finger on the pulse of this work around child abuse and neglect and really getting into the space around child sexual abuse as well. And so we are firmly in Child Abuse Prevention Month. And so it's perfect to have Sharon Hirsch, who's the Executive Director of Prevent Child Abuse North Carolina, on the call with us. Sharon, are you there? Have you joined us? I sure have. Thanks for having me. Oh, my gosh. It is our pleasure. And for our listeners, I just have to take a point of privilege here. Sharon is a dear friend of mine. Love this woman. She works harder than most people I know. And she works at this level of consistency, like same passion, same concern, same like indignant nature around like this is how it should be and and this is the injustice around it all. I mean, just like I learned so much from Sharon and how she's able to gracefully and yet forcefully push this issue forward. And so I am honored and Rob is kind of meeting Sharon for the first time here, but similar to the experience we just had with Monica, you're a real warrior and hero around this work. So Sharon, thank you for joining us, and we like to do this check-in. People are probably tired of me at this point because I always have to preface this, but, you know, we're in some pretty weird times, and in light of that, how are you, how are you personally doing? Are you, are you hanging in there? Are you, are you being well, and how's your family? 
You know, I'm hanging in there. Um, Jess, as you know, I came back from a vacation overseas just after the, the border right. closed. And so yep. it was really jarring at first to come back from vacation to full-on crisis. And yeah. I, th- I think now it's been pretty extraordinary to watch as we thought at first that a lot of our supports that we provide to agencies across the state would diminish because so many agencies were closing initially, in part because a lot of them provide parenting education in schools, at least using the school facility. But the exact opposite has happened in the last week. Agencies are are rethinking how they support families. Um, The national purveyors of evidence-based programs have stepped up their game and are figuring out how do you provide support to families virtually? How can we use the tools like Zoom and FaceTime to check in with folks? And we've actually seen a 60% increase in the coaching calls that we've had with our prevention programs team just in the past week. It's been pretty wow. extraordinary. And I think it's, it's allowing us to think a little bit more outside the box than we, we normally do in thinking about how we support families. And then it's been um, kind of a, a paradox for us to see that we know families are really stressed and that this is really awful and that there are some real opportunities to hmm. lean into the work and think differently to step up to the plate to support families right now. Hmm. Wow. Okay. Sharon, not having the, the familiarity with your work that Jess does, but and also kind of channeling, speaking on behalf of some of our listeners who may be in the same boat that I am, before we get further any further to talk about how your work is being shaped and reshaped through this crisis, just tell us a little bit more about the of why your work matters already pre-COVID, right? Um, tell us about the work uh, help our listeners understand, specifically related to child abuse and neglect in North Carolina, why is your work so essential in our communities? Well, thanks for the opportunity to do that. Prevent Child Abuse North Carolina is the only statewide organization that focuses upstream in making sure that we do all we can to prevent child abuse and neglect from ever happening in the first place. We've got a, a new mission statement thanks to some really great strategic planning work that Jess and other board members have done. And our mission now is to ensure that prevention is a priority for North Carolina and that all communities have the knowledge, support, and resources they need to prevent child abuse and neglect. And we do that in three really important ways. One is that we're really focusing on helping our uh, policymakers both inside agencies and at the legislative decision-making levels to prioritize child abuse and neglect prevention by supporting policies and investments in children and families. We also work on building community capacity so that folks at the local level, because we know prevention happens locally in families and communities, that those communities have the skills, the abilities, and the resources that they need to focus on helping families succeed, and then we work to raise awareness about the ways that folks can be involved. Child Abuse Prevention Month is now, it's in April, and our focus this year is helping folks understand that anybody can be a connection to help great childhoods happen, especially now in this crisis. So the work that we do is really focused on what we can do, and in that sense, to me, it's incredibly hopeful Sharon, we recently, uh, when we were on the call with Monica, we, we talked about just how much this this crisis is impacting this issue specifically around mm-hmm. abuse, neglect, and how this stay-at-home order that how half the world is under is, mm-hmm. is really, across communities, exacerbating this issue. Have you seen that in your work? And tell, talk, just talk about how this crisis is impacting families and the children that you're serving right now. 
Well, I think a lot of folks can relate to the fact that an awful lot of kids are at home right now because they're not in school, their child care centers are closed, their schools are closed. And that just increases family stress. It also increases um, social isolation. The two biggest risk factors for child abuse and neglect are family economic stress and social isolation. But our message has been really clear during this time that we have to stay physically distant to protect all of us and our health and well-being. That doesn't mean we have to be socially and emotionally disconnected. We have to stay connected. And so that's been um, a really, really important part of what we've been talking about. And we've, we're, we're concerned. We know that we are probably going to see child maltreatment rates rise, particularly as we move out of the space that we're in currently. We're hearing mixed things. We're hearing um, in some places reporting is up, but in other places it's down. And we believe part of that is because the folks who usually report are teachers and child care for typical reporters. So the institutions that are closed aren't aren't available right now. So that's why it's so important when we talk about being a connection, that we're all checking in on our neighbors, Mm -hmm. checking in on our friends, checking on all the members in our congregations, Mm -hmm. just to see how you're doing and to give parents an opportunity to vent and just talk through some of the struggles that they're having. I mean, too many of us think that we're supposed to be getting the same amount of work done as we normally Mm -hmm. would, but you cannot be a parent and a good employee at the same time. That's why we send our children to child care. It's just not possible to be great at everything at the same time. Mm. Wow. Very well. I want to put that on an Instagram post. I mean, that's just really wise, good advice. I've been seeing a little bit of that out there, but not enough. Not enough sort of certainty around it's okay not to be 100% employee, 100% parent. That equation doesn't equal 100%. That's just, that doesn't, that's not how that works. So thank you for that, Sharon, for sort of just locking us into that. I'm sorry, Rob, I hijacked us. No, no, you're good. You're good. My bad. (laughs) <laughs> I think I think she paints it really clearly what the impact is, and, and some of it we know, some of it we don't know. And I think that we're just going to have to wait and see. And I think she gave us some really clear steps of ways we can be intentionally loving our neighbors, checking in yeah. on the people in our spaces, so that we do our best to care well for vulnerable populations like the ones that that, that Sharon and her team are serving. Yeah. Yeah. So Sharon, for our listeners, can you just share with them what fuels you? Like, why do you do this? This isn't the easy stuff. We were talking about the earlier, the work that you and Monica are doing and your, your staff is incredible across the state, just getting up every day and doing this with enthusiasm and hope. Why? What's fueling that? I think there are a couple things that fuel that. And I think it's first and foremost, my faith, Hmm. you know, our, our faith teaches us to care for one another, to love mm-hmm. our neighbors, as you just mm-hmm. said. And I think that's a, that's a huge part of it. And I, I believe really strongly that there are no qualifiers. When God tells us to love our neighbors, he mm-hmm. doesn't say which ones. It's all of them. Yeah. But I think our, our children, particularly being most vulnerable, always been a really strong child advocate and the need to invest early because it makes such a difference. So it's kind of, for me, it's a, it's a trifecta of faith, advocacy, and science. Because the science is just so crystal clear that what happens to us early in life makes all the difference for our health and well-being. And when we have positive childhood experiences, our children's brains grow to their full potential. But when they experience adversity, that gets in the way. 
and can can cause all kinds of problems for the long term. There was a a recent update to the Adverse Childhood Experiences Study by the CDC that found that five of the top 10 leading causes of death in our country are related to what to adverse childhood experiences. And so um, wow. knowing what a difference we can make, not just in the here and now for kids and being morally concerned about it, but it impacts our health for a lifetime. If we invest in our kids early, we're going to reduce the estimate in that study was that we could prevent 21 million cases of depression every year, Mm. 1.9 million cases of coronary heart disease, which is the leading cause of death in our country. So it's just so important that we invest in our kids, that we invest particularly in our babies. That's what drives me. It's a combination of the science and and our faith saying the same things Mm. and being Mm -hmm. able to advocate for it. Mm. Wow. That sounds well said. Well said, indeed. Sharon, we really appreciate you taking the time. I think we'd be remiss to not land the plane with giving our listeners an opportunity to take action and, and really ra- rally around the important life-saving work that you're doing. So what are some practical ways? Feel free to mention as many that, that, that our listeners can do when they hear what you're saying. It's resonating with them and they, and they want to take some kind of action to support you and your team right now. Let us know. What does that look like? Well, as I said, it's Child Abuse Prevention Month. So being actively involved in sharing our messages, we've had to completely reimagine what child abuse prevention looks like this year. Normally, you would see our bright blue and silver pinwheels planted all over the place, and we can't do that because we're staying socially or physically distant. So we have really ramped up what we're doing on social media, so you can follow Prevent Child Abuse North Carolina on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter and share the messages. We're being very intentional about really highlighting protective factors during this time to really um, help folks understand that there are very simple, basic things that we can be doing to support families to prevent abuse and neglect. A lot of the work that we do to prevent abuse and neglect is about supportive policies and the things that we've seen at the federal level. So we'll be having a big National Digital Advocacy Day on Tuesday, April 28th. So we'd really love for folks to be involved in that. Um, We're also um, having a a 10-day Be a Connection. That's the hashtag Be a Connection social media challenge starting on Sunday. We also always appreciate financial support. Our work is done nationwide and statewide, and we need as much help as we possibly can uh, moving forward into this this next phase of what uh, the challenges are for children and families as we start to recover from this pandemic. We know it's going to be very challenging financially for families, and they're going to need all the support that they possibly can. So getting the message out, being an advocate, and giving to us and to other organizations that serve and strengthen families. It's really helpful. And can you mention the website as well as the social media handle for those who are listening, Sharon? Sure. Our website is preventchildabusenc.org. Our Facebook page is at Prevent Child Abuse NC. And on Twitter, we're at PCANC. If you go to any combination of PCANC or Prevent Child Abuse NC, you can find us on all those. Thanks, Sharon. And we'll put that in our podcast notes for our listeners who are following us there as well so they can just have easy access to you. This has yeah. been um, really wonderful having you sort of frame it up for us. I love this notion around the intersection between faith and advocacy and science. 
Hmm. I mean, you know, it, it brings it sharply into focus and the practical ways in which we can get involved, which to me boils down to connections. You know, yeah. connections matter. Um, we, we talk about that all the time, but if you just localize this and think about your own everyday situation and the people in your life that make your life better, give you the supports that you need to get through the day, we all need that. And there are areas and families within our state and within our community that need shoring up, right? They need a little bit of shoring up. And the way that that happens is by caring and reaching out and checking in and making sure they're okay. And like you said, giving parents a chance to vent and talk and just being the connection that they need during this time. So that's an easy show up moment. I'm just Mm. jumping right to it Mm. for me. So thank you so much, Sharon. Sharon, we appreciate it. Thank you so much for taking the time. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. Wow. There we go. Well, you know, I think, I think while Monica with with uh, stand up and speak out and Sharon prevent child abuse North Carolina, they go about their mission very differently. You know, one is is upstream talking about prevention. The other is sort of reacting to situations and abuse in the moment, sort of that Mm -hmm. present in the moment scenario, both are so important. I was reminded, frankly, as we were going through both interviews of a a neighbor of mine who said this idea of being the firefighter and the fire marshal. And what we just experienced or our listeners experienced with us was Monica really being the firefighter. She's out there an issue pops up. She's working with young people in in homes that have experienced abuse um, and neglect and trying to make their experience less toxic and bringing them sort of into a space where they can process that. And then you have Sharon, who's more of that fire marshal. She's the one who's like, how do we prevent this from ever happening? How do we make sure there are no more fires? What mechanisms do we need to put in place? And so she highlights, you know, us really the, the community being the connections that are instrumental in giving parents the necessary outlet to be frustrated and overwhelmed yeah. and vent a little bit and not take it out on their children. And so, and, and so many other things she pointed out, right. But like mm. for me seeing that it's a both and here that we, our communities need champions on both sides of the equation. Yeah. What were your thoughts? Okay. Yeah, I love, I love, I think she said it in her initial answers of we, we work upstream and it feels like that's yeah. what we did within this episode. Like we, we, we work backwards. Mm-hmm. We, we talked about the problem as it surfaces, right? And we're doing that triage work and that's, that's Monica mm-hmm. and her team. But then we don't want to be, and we can't stop doing that, right? But we also want to chase it to the root. And I think that's yeah. so much of a theme that permeates all of our conversations. And we even, even the ones we have had and the ones we will have of, of how do we identify root causes to some of the issues that uh, are happening right now that have been happening for so long in our community so that we can heal and that we can really be a, a, a more just community and a more just society that works for everyone and where everyone is protected and everyone can flourish. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think she touched on this with this holistic approach, again, of this, for her personal, this intersection of faith, advocacy, and science. And, mm-hmm. and I think you could add to that justice, right? Because mm-hmm. advocacy oftentimes is advocating on behalf of issues of injustice. And that's what she's doing. And I think that really blends it together so well. Yeah, it's, 
It's it was, sobering yeah. content. It's sobering and then like really hard to listen. And I don't want to, I don't want to take into, we don't want to immediately jump in to action without it being knowledgeable and like guided action. But I feel like she gave us enough to say, and I hope we, our listeners do the same thing is like lean into that work. Like if this mm-hmm. is new to you, lean into it, follow them on social media. Now is the month to do that, right? Like get on preventchildabusenc.org. Okay. And, and lean into their work and, and get a better, educate yourself on how you can champion vulnerable and marginalized communities uh, right now. And this is that, that's a great opportunity to do just that, uh, as well as jumping on Stand Up Speak Out's website that we heard earlier. So all that's going to be available. This will be on the show notes. We'll, we'll make this information available on ReCity's website as well, ReCityNetwork.org. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. This is, can, these are, can, I, can I maybe offer, as we close out the podcast, something that I think is very practical and, and I think I'm going to do this because well, I have all this time to do it. Um, I wonder if our listeners wouldn't just write down a list of three to five families that they know, friends. I mean, this is, it has no bounds. Abuse and neglect really has no, has no bounds. We do know it disproportionately affects um, lower socioeconomic communities, but it, at the end of the day, it has no bounds and we're in unusual times. So I think, you know, there'll be unusual statistics around this. But if we write down three or five friends and family that we know that have children and mm-hmm. just text them, give them a phone call, mm-hmm. say, hey, how you doing? How's it going? Be funny about it. You know, chide them a little bit. I know it's a lot balancing. I just heard a podcast that says you don't have to be 100% on your job and 100% a parent that you're allowed to do your best and, and people will have grace. It's okay. Like, if we do that, if we all grab three to five people and that we know that have children, the we don't know what that phone call will have meant to them. So that's really what connections mean and what, why they matter so much. And I'm just offering that challenge out to our listeners. I'm going to do good. it. That's good. No, I, and I will too. I'll join you in that because we can't, while these are big, big issues that have deep roots, Jess, right? I mean, we talked about that, the, the mm-hmm. 400-year-old tree, right, in the episode, right. early episodes. Man, it could feel, how do you pull up a tree like that? It feels overwhelming. Well, A, don't try it alone. And B, set goals where like mm-hmm. you can just take a step. Take a step today. Yep. What's, you, we can't end child abuse tomorrow, right? We can't end homelessness tomorrow or unemployment right. anytime soon. But we can take a step, the next step. Yeah. Whatever that next step looks like for you, take it because yep. the time is now. And, and let's, let's steward our time well in in this crisis mm-hmm. so that we can come out the other end whenever that happens better as, as a community as people and and more yeah. connected honestly more yeah. connected through the disconnection i love it that's good that's good all right rob all well, right until next friend, time thank until, you yeah we'll, yes. t- we'll we'll chat again soon i appreciate all it right. Thanks so much for listening to Just, a part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network in partnership with ReCity and Coastal Credit Union. In the spirit of sharing, if you like what you've heard, tell a friend about the show and give us a five-star rating and review. Many thanks to DJ P-Dog and producer Low Key for producing the music for our show. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.